Go ahead and have a seat. Kids, you can be dismissed to go back to class. How is everybody today? I'm going to take that as an answer. The lack of an answer as an answer. Uh, If you have your Bible, open to John 14. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back we'd like to uh, let you use or take. Um, Take home with you. Uh, John 14 is where we are. I'm going to read that, the passage, the the verses that we'll talk about this morning, and then um, let's talk about them. John 14, starting in verse 1, going to verse 11. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long And you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Let's pray for just a minute, and then we'll dig into this. God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who loves us. God, I pray you would connect our hearts with that love, and uh, that love that, that, that moved Jesus to act and to, to do and to serve and to humiliate himself. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. I pray you would allow us this morning to see his example and the direction that he provides for us, but also just to see the character of him, and that might cause us to worship this morning. God, we thank you again for Jesus. pray that you would allow us to engage with him this morning. It's by the power of his name that I pray. Amen. So we really can't engage these verses without some thought about what just happened in the previous chapter. The problem with like the way we do church these days and like a series when we're preaching to a book is that we, we come to an end. Last, last Sunday we came to a stopping point and then this morning we, we pick up at another starting point. But there's, there's really no seam in what happened with the story that we, we heard last week and the stuff that happens this week. It's just like, 
one after the other. They, they flow together. So it's important for us to see that. Um, Jesus, they have the, the last meal that they're going to have together, celebrating the Passover, and then Jesus gets troubled in his soul. Um, and I, I, it's, it's important to see Jesus, just seconds before this stuff happens, is troubled in his soul. And he's told the disciples that one of them is going to betray him. And that's brought trouble to him. And then he's told Peter that he's going to deny him three times. And that's brought trouble to him. And then we transition to this. And I, I, I just want to like remark upon the, the beauty of Christ and that his soul is troubled. And do you see the, the first words that Jesus speaks to these guys? He just said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. I think there's, there's direction for us in that and there's worship for us in that. That Jesus is troubled in his soul and he's just laid upon these guys the difficulty that they're about to encounter and then he's, he's laid upon Peter the difficulty that he's going to encounter and he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. And the direction and the worship that we can take from that is while there is stress and pressure and difficulty in the life of Christ, he is consumed with taking away someone else's stress and life and pressure. He is consumed with serving them. And I want us to, to see that. Last week, we asked this question, what capacity to love must have been in this man to do such a loving thing? And then the scripture says he's troubled in his spirit. And the love that still dwells in him causes him to want to take away the stress and pressure that are in, that is in these guys. Ultimately, I, I think what Jesus means to, means to say to these folks and what he means to say to us here today is, is this simple phrase. This is a message I believe Jesus wants to speak to your heart today. Trust me. I love you and I'm capable of taking care of you. Trust me. This is Jesus in the middle of his own pain, in the middle of his own issues, saying to his disciples and saying to you, trust me, I got this. And... Like, I, I can't, this has been uh, ministering to my soul this week because we find ourselves in the middle of turmoil. Is there, there, there's turmoil in my soul for what's happening in our city. And if, if there's not turmoil in your soul, you're probably not paying attention. There's great turmoil in our soul, in, our, in, in the soul of our city. But for those who trusted in Jesus, for those who understand his love and what he's done, Jesus is speaking to you this morning. Don't let your soul be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And I want to center in on four things this morning. But before we get there, I want to, here's a, John Piper says this in a message from this passage. He says, what we encounter 
in this gospel, what we encounter in this, these words this morning, what we encounter in this gospel is the living God, the creator of the universe, present among us in his son. What we encounter in these verses is the living God of the universe, present in his son. And the message that he wants to speak to you is don't be troubled. Trust me. I've got this. And I think it's beautiful. Jesus loves you. I tweeted that this morning, and it seems like very simple and very childlike. Like, I need to go back there and say that to those kids. Jesus loves you. But like, that's an, that's an adult phrase. We need to know that. Jesus loves you. And we, I, I look around, it's like I can't, one of my morning habits is to look at stltoday.com, the, the, you know, our, our newspaper, the Post-Dispatch newspaper, and there's always something, big, bold headline, Ferguson, blah, 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 something. And then I read it, and I can't stop reading, and I can't not read comments, and it just, like, turmoil happens inside of me. There's just so much hard and pain and difficulty and stress. But what Jesus wants to speak over you, and, and like, I, I don't, maybe you're not as troubled as I am about Ferguson, but I, I bet you there's something that troubles you. Or I bet you in the last few months, you don't have to look too hard to think about something that troubles you. What Jesus wants to speak to you is, I love you. Don't be troubled. I love you. And it's so simple. We should probably have a five-year-old come up here and, and preach this sermon because it's, it's so simple. Jesus loves you. But I, w- I want to walk through four things, four statements to make for us today. First, don't be troubled. Believe in me. Look to John 14.1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So reasons why we shouldn't be troubled or ways to get beyond our being troubled. Jesus says, don't be troubled, believe in me. And this word believe, we've studied it before. We're going to study it again right now. Paseo, it means this, to the trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of soul, to trust in Jesus or God is able to aid either in obtaining or doing something. So as, as this is, by the way, brackets around this. He starts with believe in me, and then he ends with believe in me. And what he's communicating is this sort of believe in me, that there's a, a law of soul that changes who we are and how we interact with the world in such a way that we completely trust who he is. And here's, here's the thing that is fantastic about this. Let's go back into the context and that Jesus, troubled in his soul, speaks directly just after he's told Peter, the guy he's going to leave his church with, that you're going to deny me three times tonight in the next few hours. And by the way, parenthetically here, eight hours from this moment, Jesus will be gasping for breath on the cross. It brings new 
new meaning to I love you. Don't be troubled. Like it's just baffling. He's going, he's literally in eight hours. What are you going to be doing in eight hours? Think about eight hours from right now. You're probably going to be getting ready to go to sleep, preparing for your work day tomorrow. Eight hours from this moment, Jesus will be gasping for breath with his backside completely ripped apart to shreds. Don't be troubled. I got this. Believe in that. Let it change who you are and how you interact with the world. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Peter is going to deny Christ three times. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Believe in me. I want to get a picture of Jesus here. I want you to have a picture of Jesus here. I've thought about this. In Hebrews, Jesus is your hope that's a steadfast anchor for your soul. In Ephesians, Jesus is your peace. In Matthew, Jesus is your rock. In Romans, Jesus is your righteousness. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Acts, he is your power. In Revelation, he is your warrior. This is the Jesus that we're looking to. He's your your hope, your joy, your peace, your righteousness, your power, your warrior. Do Do we like, do we see that? Do we act like that? Do we walk around this earth with full knowledge that he is these things? This is, we are looking to Jesus. In Proverbs, he is the strong tower. In the Psalms, last night I'm looking through this, looking through the Psalms. I only got to Psalm 13 before it got like, okay, I can't do all 150 of these. In the Psalms, he is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your help and your shield, your listener, your protector, your provider, your rescuer, your grace, your comforter, your stronghold, your salvation, your counsel, and your portion. This is Jesus. This is the one who comes before you and says, trust me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Whatever it is, the circumstance that you're, you're wrestling with, the, the hardship that you're dealing with, the fact that you're going to deny me three times in the next eight hours, the fact that your city is broken and people are broken, the fact that your world is broken. Don't let your heart be troubled. I am your hope, your peace, your rock, your righteousness, your joy, your power, your warrior, your strong tower, your refuge, your strength, your help, your shield, your listener, your protector, your provider, your rescuer, your grace, your comforter, your stronghold, your salvation, your counsel, your portion. Do you see your Jesus? Don't be troubled. Believe. Believe in him. This is who he is. Second thing. Do not be troubled because there's something wonderful that waits for you that I've prepared for you. Look, Jesus is telling you that right now. Don't be troubled. There's something that I've prepared for you that's beyond your imagination waiting in heaven for you. 
First Peter tells us it can't perish, spoil, or fade, and it's kept in heaven for you. Jesus tells us here in verse 2 and 3, let's read those. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says this. This is one of my favorite verses. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Know that this awaits you. Know that this awaits you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has perceived what God has prepared for you. Because of that, don't be troubled. We are so, such finite creatures that we're so consumed with this very moment. There's a phrase the tyranny of the moment. Have you heard that before? The idea is the moment has tyranny about it that causes us to, to, to live, to, to have our being, our hope in this moment. And if this moment is not giving us pleasure or hope or purpose, then somehow we are distraught and broken. But what Jesus wants to speak to you when he says don't be troubled is this earth This moment is temporary. Like eternity. Spend time thinking about the word eternity. And in a timeline, it it can't be measured. Eternity is forever. And the blip on that screen that is your 70 years on this planet is so menial and 10,000 years from now, you'll look back and think about what kind of fool you were to be consumed with this moment while you are enjoying what God has prepared for you. Like, let that just, just think about that. When you wake up in the morning, set an alarm in your phone and, and, and put 2 Corinthians 2 9 in there. And think about eternity and think about what God has prepared for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has perceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And that's what you will experience eternally. Seriously. It's profound. I want to show you a, a couple of pictures. Fire those up there. This is, these are the pyramids. One of the seven wonders of the world. And like they didn't have any devices to build that. Mankind is perplexed at what had to happen in the minds of those who created this. Let's make this beautiful monument. And how did they make it? We don't know. What, like it's the, the, beauty, the beauty of what was present in some people to create that. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. The beauty of this does not measure to what you will encounter. David, next one. Stonehenge, same deal. Like, I want to I be there one day and just look at that and walk around 
engage it, and think. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for me. Don't be troubled because no mind has conceived what God has prepared for you. Next one. This is my favorite. This, that's the Sistine Chapel, the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel. And Michelangelo painted that um, over the course of about four and a half years. And it's the story of Scripture. Did you know that? It's the story of Scripture. It's different paintings, Michelangelo's interpretation of different stories in the Scripture. And it is remarkable. And it's remarkable for us to go home and do some research on the Sistine Chapel ceiling and, and all, that it, all that it was and all that it did and, and all that was there. And, and think about Michelangelo and, and the brilliance that was in him and the meticulous nature that had to be within him to, to do that four and a half years painting that. So there's beauty in his mind and there's a meticulous nature in his mind and there is like he built scaffolding onto that ceiling to paint it and a lot of people believe that he was laying on his back when he did it. Most scholars believe, if you study it, that I, I studied this week, that he was, he was painting like this. Can you imagine? Four and a half years. What passion of soul had to be in him to do that? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has perceived what God has prepared for those who love him. The beauty of this does not approach the beauty of what you will engage eternally. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus says, trust me. I need you to just stop for a second and hear that. Like, and, and insert yourself into that story where Jesus has just washed your feet. Humiliatingly washed your feet. Humiliatingly said, I love you. And then he's just become obviously troubled in his soul. And he says, you're going to deny me three times, but I love you anyway. And then the next words out of his mouth are, don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus says, trust me. The next one, don't be troubled. Jesus is all that you need. Let's read verse 3 and verse 6. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Like the best thing about this place that Jesus is preparing for you is that Jesus is there. Like the, the, I've been drawn to tears the last two weeks in studying this, these passages and, and seeing this beautiful Jesus. Drawn to, our, our community group this week was just like a bunch of people crying at the, the beauty of Jesus. And I'm, I'm drawn to tears in that. And, and how I know Jesus now is not close to how I will know him then and experience him. This is Jesus. 
And the best part is I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself. This, this week, this Wednesday night, I got to, I, someone gave me some, some tickets to this, uh, um, the, it's, it's called Cardinals Founders Day. The Cardinals were out of town, and so they open up Bush Stadium, and they allow you to, to, to visit the clubhouse, and they had some old players that were there signing autographs. Um, and I was there with, with Mia this week, and it was, it was incredible. We're walking through there, and she's like, Dad, that's where, like, Melina's jersey sitting in this, this where, like, from me to the back of the room, away from where we, Yachty Melina gets dressed, like, puts on his jersey. And she's freaking out. And then Matt Holliday's, oh, wow, this is fantastic. And then she's, she's just incredibly amazed by this. And then we go upstairs to a place where these former players are, 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 are signing autographs. And it's like, like guys who you, if you're a really big Cardinal baseball fan, you may have heard of these guys. Um, like the biggest one was Jason Simontachi. Like two of you maybe have heard of him. Um, so, but she's incredibly enamored with, with the fact that this baseball player just wrote his name on a baseball for her. And we're excited about that and there's nothing wrong with being excited about that but one day we're gonna like she was in the presence of Yachty's jersey and it excited her soul we will one day be in the presence of Jesus like like I could reach out like I just touched Rick's knee I could reach that's that's where we'll be don't, to, to really fully come to grips with that, how, how do we be troubled? This is just a blip. This 70 years on this planet is less than that, eternally. I want to read that verse again, that phrase again. I will come again. And take you to myself. Seriously. Go down to, to verse 6. This is um, a verse that you probably have heard many times and probably memorized as a kid. And probably used to refute other religions. And probably did so incorrectly. BTW. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is pointing to himself. Don't let your heart be troubled. Look to me. When he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. He is saying to you, look to me. Don't look to your troubles, don't look to your problems, don't look to other things that you might see as your salvation, look to me. What does he mean when he says he is the way? It means that he is the direction, the guide, the vehicle to the fulfillment of every human longing. 
He is the way, the direction, the guide, the vehicle. He is the truth. The truth. That word is aletheia. That word is unshakable truth. The literal Greek translation is that which is true in any matter of consideration. Jesus says to you, in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your turmoil of soul, of being troubled, he says, I am that which does not change. Whatever it is that brings you stress or pain or pressure or difficulty or hardship or makes you want to weep with sadness, Jesus remains. That makes my heart worship. When I see the brokenness present in our city, when I see the brokenness present everywhere, the fact that Jesus is the thing that was, does not change, there's nothing that can happen on this planet that can change who he is and how he loves you. There's nothing that can happen on this planet that can change who he is and how he loves you. Breathe that in and let that minister to your soul in times of trouble. When he says he's the life, he means that in relationship with him is joy in his purest, most fulfilling form. Let me say that again. The life means that in relationship with him is joy in its purest, most fulfilling form. And so what happens then is circumstances around us happen to us so that we might become more convinced of the truth of that. Do you understand that? Jesus is greater than circumstances. Jesus is greater than circumstances because Jesus uses those circumstances to get us to believe and understand and know in the depths of us that he is the life or with him is joy in his purest, most fulfilling form. So what happens is hurt, loneliness, anger, hate, jealousy, resentment, pain, fear, everything that troubles you finds its antidote in Jesus Christ. Say that to yourself when you wake up this morning, tomorrow morning. Everything that brings you pain, hurt, resentment, jealousy, hate, anger, all of those things that press in on us and make this world hard to live in, find their antidote in Jesus Christ. The fourth thing, don't be troubled. Believe in what I've done. Skip down to verse 10. He's talking to Philip who said, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said, if I've been with you for so long, you still don't know that when you see me, you're seeing God and pick it up in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. In other words, don't be troubled because look what I've done. And here's, here's a, a short list of a few of the things that Jesus has done while he's with these people. He's turned water into wine. When he's with Philip, when he's with these people, he's turned water into wine. He's fed 5,000 people with a boy's lunch. He's healed with his words. He's healed with his touch. He's been unafraid to proclaim the truth to people who have the right and power and authority to murder him. He has walked on water. He has taught profoundly all these things he has done to show us that he is God. And now for us, we get to experience that. We get to see the beauty of his works, the majesty of his works, and and read about them and reflect upon them and know them presently, know them intimately, and understand that all of this is happening so that we might know that Jesus is God. Here's what I want to close us with this morning. Simple thought. God has been working things out from the beginning of your existence in order to remove everything that can contaminate your communion and your intimacy with him. This is the point of your existence is to get to that place. And God has been working things out, doing his works to convince you of this. He's been working to remove everything that can contaminate the purity of your communion with him. And this is what Jesus comes to say to you. Trust me, I got this. I'm going to take care of that which I was sent to take care of. This is Jesus. Let's pray and let's worship him. God, you're beautiful. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to us. God, I pray that you would bring our hearts now to a place of obedience and a place of worship. God, you have shown us your son. Father, I pray that as the tyranny of the moment presses in on us, that we would be reflective most of your son, Jesus. He is good. And he loves us. And he's prepared a place for us. One day he will come for us and bring us to where he is. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he has done great works to show us who he is and how much he loves us. Be with us now as we respond to you. I thank you for Jesus.
It's in his name that I pray. Amen.